previously on. See you in another life, brothers. Hey, bro. I know that you always say it, but, you know, I was wondering if maybe I could say we'll see you in another life, brothers, uh, at the end of this week's episode? 50. What? I'll let you do it for 50. Dollars? That seems a little high. Well, I understand that you live in a world where anyone could say we'll see you in another life, brothers, at the end of the episode, but that is not the real world. It requires my signature on these documents. Wait, what? Since when do we have paperwork? To protect the sacred closing line. God wants it this way. God doesn't want it this way. Your own greed does. Fine, I'll sign it, but my signature does not make you the co-host with the mo-host. Ugh, it's true what they say about you. You have no soul. I guess we're both sinners now. Well, perhaps we are, but the listeners will forgive me. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of See You in Another Life Brothers. I, I tried to enunciate that time or I get all the words. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, I think sometimes I could say, See you in Another Life Brothers. That's just, mm-hmm. I, I want people to know the name of the show. Yeah, it it is a, we have a lot of syllables in there. You got to make sure that they get them all. It, but it, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is very easy to just see you in Another Life Brothers. Yeah. yeah, I do what uh, Conan O'Brien does to the, the <laughs> Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's the one thing. That's the one thing that irritates me about Conan. But this isn't a Conan O'Brien podcast. But I just have to, <laughs> have to air my laundry about that. Everything else I love about the man. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll save our complaints for when we do the the Conan centric uh, podcast later. So we, we should do that. Oh man, that would be fun. Go back and watch every single episode of Late Night at Conan O'Brien and then go all the way through. We could do a million episodes. My gosh, uh, that would take forever. If only that archive existed, I'd probably watch a lot of that. That's, that, that would, would be, be a major time suck. But yeah. anyway, we are off track. Um, this is not about Conan. This is about Lost. Lost is a television show. And this is an episode of Lost called The 23rd Psalm which is a great psalm. I would highly recommend it, reading mm-hmm. that thing. Of course, they, uh, they read it out loud in this one, so. Yeah, you get it right there. Yeah, it's, it's one of the best. Uh, one of the top psalms, I'd say. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a darn good psalm. It's up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, by the way, my name is Joe, and uh, this is Andy. We need to introduce ourselves, as yep. always. Yeah. Um, and we are here to dissect this thing from... Start to finish, and uh, I think we just need to dive right in because there's a lot going on here with Mr. Echo. And, yes, uh, definitely. Yeah. Mr. Echo, who, um, a character, I think they they built it up very well, where it's like, who is Mr. Echo? What is the deal with this guy? Um, and we finally get it kind of answered in a very... Um, very satisfying, interesting, and kind of unexpected way. I was thinking about that as I was watching this episode. Mm-hmm. Throughout it, you're thinking, I, I'm thinking, oh, I know where this is going because I've seen this one a million times. But when you think about watching it the first time, like, wait, he knows about the plane? Wait, 
Why does he want to go to the plane? Wait. And they do a great job of building up through the flashbacks, like slowly they realizing, wait, wait, Yummy, Yummy was on that. Yummy was on that plane. Crazy. Right. Yeah. And yeah, like, I mean, at this point in the series, we know, like, we don't even know that he was a priest, right? Or like any of that stuff. Do we? Yeah. We know that he, I mean, we know that he quotes scripture extensively and he prays for people. So it seems like, Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that in the episode when we get to the point where Charlie's like, he's a priest and you're a priest. You know, it's like us as the viewer, we're like, well, no, that's not right, right? Because he's a warlord or whatever, you know? And then by the end, it's like, wait, oh, he is a priest kind of you know yeah. i mean like he he ends up in that position in a way um and he says by the end that he is but yeah it's like the reveals uh in a rewatch you can kind of lose track of how epic they are but yeah mm-hmm. when you think about what you know at this point in the series it is a really really cool episode for those reasons yeah we're kind of along for the ride with charlie and with kind of, mm-hmm. yeah it's like okay, what kind of priest is this guy? What the heck is going on here? Because we've seen him beat people with that stick. <laughs> we truly have. And we've seen him kill some guys. So it, yep. Echo is not your average priest. Um, and we see why. I love this opening. with uh, mm-hmm. So just to talk about, before we talk about anything that happens in it, so well, just it's well put together. And the cinematography of, just yeah. how this looks and how, and we said it before, a lot of orange in this season, but mm-hmm. really the orange of this, you know, African village that we're introduced mm-hmm. to. And it feels very real, feels very lived in, feels very like they do a fantastic, I'm sure they, they probably shot it in like Australia, Los Angeles, who knows where. They, <laughs> Hawaii, yeah, Hawaii well, would have been Hawaii. Yep. Um, but yeah, they do a great job of making it look very authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I there was something it was like as I was watching this um you know I I assume I guess I didn't research this but you know I mean this was at a time when like most TV shows are filmed like w- digitally or anything now like not on like true film you know yeah. and uh I was thinking about that in this scene in particular how this was probably shot on film but like it, it looks so gritty you know, mm-hmm. there's almost like a grain to the scene, which gives it just like that lived in feel that you're talking about. You know, it just um, everything about it. It immediately feels like you're immersed in a different culture than one we've seen, you know, a different setting than one we've seen on Lost so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just drop you right in the middle of it. And I, yeah. And you're trying to figure out the whole time, like, who whose flashback is this or how does this connect to anything? And yeah, yeah, obviously we figured that out pretty quick, but. Yeah, the practic the practical aspect of like putting like the dirt, like you I mean, the little details yeah. with shows these days, you know, it can be very it's very, you know, like network television. It's just like throw away. Mm-hmm. You're putting people in a room and just shooting it. But here they put the dirt on the clothes and they in like throughout it you see like Yummy's priest outfit has like got dust on it. Feels mm-hmm. very authentic. Um so that's really cool. And I do love like you're saying you're trying to figure out who this flashback is about. And when you see that kid that they have playing Echo, mm-hmm. you're like, 
that's young echo that, <laughs> yeah. very well casted he has you know similar uh, facial features that the eyes especially like that looks like mm-hmm. mr echo as a kid um so that's mm-hmm. that's really cool how they did that yep. um as you're going through yep but so yeah we're presented with this you know this village and kids playing soccer and then the horrible mercenaries just out of nowhere coming in and mm-hmm. i love how the detail they have when the that poor priest is coming out of the church and he says don't take any more children they say so yeah. much so little that's like these guys just keep they've come before and so mm-hmm. that's why no one's like the kids see it and they're just like and yummy comes and hugs echo and it's like this has clearly happened before mm-hmm. um and there's nothing they can do about it they're all helpless as he grabs a gun and puts it in the kid's hands and says, mm-hmm. kill this man. It's just, just a horrible situation yeah. that we're thrust into here. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the, I love the detail of, yeah, the priest coming out. I didn't even notice it until, uh, you know, I, I watched this, uh, episode twice before, you know, we were talking about it and I didn't, I didn't even notice that the priest says anything. Um, until the second viewing and I've watched this episode mm-hmm. so many times you know um, but I feel like that's kind of a cool introduction to the theme of like priests uh, as central figures uh, in yeah. this story you know the guy who seems to be like the leader of this little town uh, or the one who is speaking out against the bad guys is the priest you know he mm-hmm. he's the one uh who you know the the people uh look to or at least the one who represents the people when when the evildoers come in uh, and mm-hmm. i just thought that was kind of a cool i guess like foreshadowing or setting up of that theme uh of like good and evil and the priest as kind of a central person in that for the episode but yeah and the thing about it of course is that the priest comes out and he says don't take the children and he is just you know taken out so quickly they just knock yeah. him out and so, and Echo sees that, and he's kind of mm-hmm. left, you know, and seeing his brother put into this horrible situation where, you know, it's like, you will kill this man, and then you will become one of us, basically, these mercenaries are saying. And Echo, um, left with the decision to make, and I love, uh, the, thinking about this decision here, and just the the implications of it, and just the way echo comes to see it in the episode, but his decision to just, I'm going to take that gun from my brother and kill this man. I'm going to basically take his place and uh, to, as he puts it, save his life later. And that, Mm -hmm. so a lot of great, a lot of themes in this episode that are worth pondering. What does it mean to save a life? And I think that we're asked that question here and to echo it's to save a life means to get your hands dirty basically mm-hmm. i've got to you know become the the evil doer in order mm-hmm. to save the innocent is that's the, the only option he sees in that moment and that just sets his trajectory for the rest of his life mm-hmm. and yeah the idea of like was this the right decision like the, mm-hmm. the righteous decision, you know, is kind of central 
I feel like for the rest of this episode especially, but I feel like it's kind of a central theme from from what I remember of mm-hmm. Echo's story throughout. Um, you know, in this episode later on, he'll say, you know, like, I've only done what I needed to do to survive. Right, yeah. um, and, you know, he, he clearly does not regret the decision that he made here to spare his brother uh, by taking that guy's life. But, um, you know, he by doing that, he enters into what he'll later call like the real world where right and wrong are not so clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and he spares his brother from having to be aware of that mm-hmm. distinction. Um, but does that make what he has done right? You know, and I, I think that's like, I don't think this episode necessarily answers that question but it's the question we're we're left to ponder throughout it you know and i think that's kind of a cool element i really like this episode and i like the fact that it is asking that i feel like of the viewer from from this point on like is what he did you know was that right obviously he did it to spare his brother but he still took a man's life and obviously Mm -hmm. it sets him down a dark road sure yeah um it's definitely something worth pondering and like you like you yeah it's i love how it's not clear um Mm -hmm. this is really very much part one of three for echo this whole episode is like it's a trilogy mr echo story Mm -hmm. um and this first part kind of presents that question and leaves you pondering and really brings echo i i I do think echo goes through kind of a, a journey in this episode kind of a transformative thing especially mm-hmm. does in these flashbacks of course because yeah. um well continuing on from where we're going i think one thing i do want to mention before we move on to the next scene is the thing with the cross is also mm-hmm. it i think there's a lot of great symbols in this episode the cross where the the mercenary takes the cross off of echo's neck and throws it down and says you won't need that anymore and then yummy picks it up I, I like the journey the cross takes in this episode mm-hmm. because it, it, it comes to him now and Echo continues to point that cross out. Later, of course, he says, you remember how you got this cross? And mm-hmm. it's sort of like, this is, I saved your life. And this is the symbol that you have to, you, you're wearing around your neck basically because of that. Mm. Um, and so Echo thinks of it as sort of a righteous thing. But we question that with this next scene. I like this mm-hmm. next scene because we see Mr. Echo grown up now, full fledged, you know, uh, Godfather Mr. Echo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna make you an offer you can't refuse. Basically, <laughs> what he's doing here. This, I mean, it, the fantastic acting by I can't pronounce the actor's name. I'll never be able to, but I'll just call him uh, um, Al. Um, but he does a great <laughs> job. Um, of just being so menacing in this in this scene right here mm-hmm. just menacing as can be oh yeah i actually i looked up an interview of of him because i knew that <laughs> i watched i looked up a couple interviews to see every time he's interviewed i think they ask him how do you how do you pronounce your name okay uh, and it's adewale akinoye akbaje but he said that he goes by adi sometimes so if adi. we need to refer to him we can adi or Adewale, okay. but I thought that Andy. was, it was just funny. I found this old interview with him on 
Regis and Kelly, <laughs> and they're they uh they're like announcing, you know, he's from Lost and everything. Let's bring out Adewale, and they don't even bother with the rest of his name. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, it's that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. He, I'm sure he gets it every every time, but but yeah, sure. I love I love uh his acting in this because it's we've gone from he's like this stoic silent guy to suddenly a terrifying um like mercenary character in this scene mm-hmm. but you still feel like it's it's the same guy we've been seeing you know it's yeah. just him when he's younger um and i just i feel like he sells it so well immediately that it's like oh this is echo from a while ago he's a different person <laughs> yeah and the, throughout of it he you know you say okay he saved yemi's life and then he became this person he's, he's living this life as he puts it you know this is because i'm doing the right thing basically mm-hmm. but i love how he has that that smile on his face and he's mm-hmm. sitting there and kind of look and you can tell he's sort of enjoying this life he's he's in the zone sort of like um he feels powerful mm-hmm. and i think that's the key phrase there he's not like that priest from the first scene who got knocked out like that he's right. with the powerful guys who can actually get stuff done and i think that's that's key um and he's making that he's doing this as he puts it i like how he puts it as a favor to get these drugs mm-hmm. out of here and he's being very you know he's he, as the god you know he's like a godfather type character because mm-hmm. you know you think about like the mobsters in those movies they're they're high society they're not like low low criminals they're like they're mm-hmm. doing this um and being very civilized about it and i think that mm-hmm. he kind of appreciates being able to just you know i'm doing this favor i'm getting these drugs out of here as he puts dme this is the right mm-hmm. thing to do, um, even though it's, you know, kind of yeah. low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and he, yeah, it's it's like he holds all the cards uh, and he's confident in that. Um, and obviously throughout the scene, you know, we see where that ends up. But um, the other thing about who Echo is at this point is that um, he has a reputation like everyone yeah. knows who this Mr. guy is Echo. and as the uh the dealer i guess you know uh, says in this scene um you know it's true what they say about you you know that that you have no soul um mm-hmm. that's echo's reputation at this point enough where people know who he is um he's the guy with no soul you know um and i i think it's interesting um that that's the moment when you know he's already given these guys the money that he's going to say like you know i'll give you 50 you know Mm -hmm. um and then as soon as they say you have no soul he slits their throats you know and i just think that's such an interesting like he it seems like he was ready to pay them and just Mm -hmm. let that be the deal but for some reason that's the thing that changes his mind like you know I don't even have to give away any money at this point. Let me just take their lives and keep my money and keep the drugs, you know, for my own profit. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't, you know, I don't know to read that as like he's upset at hearing that title. I feel like I'm more inclined to say, um, he's almost just confirming it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that is me. Um, but I don't know. I think there is still an ambiguity in there. You could read it both ways, but I think I, I read it as upset actually. And the reason Mm -hmm. I do, um, is, you know, it's right after they say you have no soul. Mm-hmm. That he, he does that, and then the boy comes in and he says, Go, no, don't kill him. Go mm-hmm. tell your friends that I let you live. That Mr. Echo, he wants everyone to know, Mr. Yeah. Echo, let this boy live because he has mm-hmm. a soul, is basically what he's trying to still say. He's like, mm-hmm. What, what, what they point out is what he's kind of chafing at, where he's like, No, I still have a soul. I, I saved my brother's life and now I saved this boy's life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for anyone to come in here and tell me I don't have a soul, I'm just doing what I need to do to survive. How can you say mm. that what I'm doing is it's basically that logic again. Um, mm-hmm. And so he, he's, he's chafing at that idea and, and he's all, it's probably his conscience saying, echo, you're not justified, but he wants to think he's justified in mm-hmm. everything he's doing. So. Yeah. It's, it seems like a display of a guy who is so far gone that he thinks, all right, so I let one person live of the three. So that shows that I still have a soul. <laughs> Which, well, I killed these other two guys because they were insulting me. They, they, yeah. they insulted my honor. So mm-hmm. I say that too. But, right. No. Yeah. So, and they're no good drug dealers. But wait, what am I? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. But yeah, and then so we continue this sort of theme, and it's fascinating to see him have the conversation with Yemi in mm-hmm. the next scene, where he talks about this this opportunity that, as he say, as says God has given them an opportunity, and I love how the same logic he uses the same logic to justify getting these drugs out of the country as he did for saving his brother's life. He -hmm. says, um, to save lives, you have to do something illegal to to do. You have to do evil for good to happen basically Mm -hmm. is his, you know, as he puts it later, like you said, it's the core line of the episode. You live in a world where righteousness and wickedness are far apart, but that's not the real world. In the real world, they're very much cause and effect. It's like mm-hmm. you have to do wicked for any righteousness to ever have a chance. Mm. So that's the logic he's using here in this mm-hmm. scene. Yeah, it it is interesting how um, you know you could you could initially like if you were just reading the script, it could seem like. Uh, Echo is just trying to use the right words to get Yemi to, you know, go through with this deal of of transporting the drugs. Um, but the way Adewale uh, acts the scene, mm-hmm. it it to me, it seems like Echo truly believes like this is this is what needs to happen yeah. for this village to prosper 
Um, and this is an opportunity from God. Um, whereas Yemi, who lives in a different sphere <laughs> entirely, can see like, no, that this is your choice. God did not do this. You know, God, God doesn't want these drugs to be transported to other people. You know, this mm-hmm. is you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just love that uh, distinction between the two brothers as they're um, going through this. And yet, like Yemi, I can't remember if it's in this scene or or in another, but how he's, you know, he says like, I, I will always love you, you know, but mm-hmm. um, what you're doing is wrong. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just think the dynamic between the two brothers is so, so interesting uh, throughout the episode that um, even as they are in kind of different spheres of reality, um, both of them still love each other. You know, they, they mm-hmm. truly do. Um, and that is never, that never appears phony to me in the episode, which is just a really interesting aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It's just a very different theology that separates the two of them. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Echo, you know, uh, uh, Yemi says, God did not bring you here your own greed did. Yemi is pointing out the the fault Echo is within your own heart. Um, mm. And Echo says, no, my heart is, is guiding me the right way. Um, it's to save lives. It's to, you know, use what he knows to be the only source of power that in, in the world, basically, because mm. he lives in this African village I love the setting of this episode plays such a big role in Echo's worldview because all he all he grew up knowing was that these mercenaries have all the power. These mm. these crooks have all the power. The priests don't have any power. We're just a village. We're sitting ducks. And yeah. so he's saying, I serve a powerful God. And the only power I have ever known is wickedness. So that must be what needs to happen to save people. Um, Mm. but Yemi has a very other, you know, Yemi understands that it, salvation doesn't come from in this world. It only comes Mm. from forgiveness from God. And so it's a very important distinction between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, uh, there's a line in this scene where, you know, he says, uh, for a confession to be true you know you have to have a penitent heart or something Mm -hmm. along those lines uh because echo was saying you know he was uh uh offering you know they were talking about whether or not he was going to take his confession um but that echo would need to have a penitent heart um and i feel like that that can feel like a um like just a filler line almost but i really think that's like a central um dynamic between the two of them for the things that you you were just saying you know that um echo thinks uh as long as the ends justify uh you know the, if the ends justify the means um you know if if something good comes out of this then whatever i've done to survive is okay mm-hmm. um but yemi recognizes that no like you need to uh if if there is murder in your heart. You know, if you are the one who um, is doing these awful deeds, like you need to 
turn that around. You need to have a penitent heart instead. Um, but they just live in, in different worlds, different theologies, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And I love the, the question that you continue to wrestle with is, you know, as the one that Echo asks, or, you know, have you forgotten what I did that day to get you that cross mm-hmm. brother? When you got that cross brother was, is what I did that day a sin or is mm-hmm. it forgiven because it was you that was saved? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to save a life? Once mm-hmm. again, we're asked that question and you think it was a noble thing, right? He, he, you know, it, he saw that his brother was about to do a horrible thing and instead he took his place, but he did that horrible thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, does a wrong, you know, make it right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's such a, it's such a difficult question to wrestle with because you, you're on Echo's mm-hmm. side. You're like, I'm glad you, I mean, you was saved. I'm glad he's a priest now. Not glad Echo's a, you know, a crook now. Mm-hmm. And so it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, like at at one level, I mean, Echo is right in the idea that um, right and wrong are not always so easily distinguishable, you know, uh, especially in a in a such a messy situation as the one in that first scene where um, he knew what would happen to his brother if he didn't intervene. So he intervened, but he intervened by doing a horrible thing. Um, and so, yeah, it is, I think it's uh, just such a good question to wrestle with throughout the episode. Like what is echo right in anything that he has been doing? Like, obviously he is in a very dark place now, but that initial move, was it wrong for him to do it? And yeah. I think that's, mm-hmm. I think it's cool that the audience has to wrestle with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it brings us into the the next scene where Echo comes back with his his pa- his friends as he terms them in this episode. I think that's a you know you can overlook that he calls them his friends these guys. Yeah. And he, it it raises another question that's kind of almost off screen. Like how what is Echo's relationship with these? Obviously, he's kind of the leader, right? Does he feel pressured? Because I mean, he he Yemi told him no. And then he comes back with backup, basically. Did he did he say, okay, you guys come on, we're going to threaten him? Or did they say, no, we're coming with you and we're gonna we're gonna burn that church down? Mm. You wonder about that. But either way, I feel like Echo is so in, entrenched in this world now that um, he doesn't see any other. You know, it's like this is mm-hmm. we we have to, you know. I have to bring these guys. We're going to get this done one way or another. All we need is Yemi's signature and we're going to become priests, which is another great thing. It's like my signature doesn't make you a priest echo. Yeah. It's such a fascinating thing. He becomes a, a priest mm-hmm. by vile means, um, by pressuring. Yeah. There's so much we could go on mm-hmm. and on about this episode, but yeah, I love the, I love how um, now in this scene, Yemi is forced to do something that he morally um, is against in order to spare other people, you know, in order to save the church and and this center of, you know, uh, 
spiritual you know uh health for for the community uh you know however you want to see it um mm-hmm. it, he he does this thing that goes against what he believes um but at the same time um he says you know uh my signature does not make you a true priest um that that's not what's actually happening here it's just my name on a paper um and i love how then you know echo pays for the virgin mary statues so that Mm -hmm. they'll have their vaccines and all of that he says i guess we're both sinners now and then the whole heart uh idea comes back with yummy saying um you know but maybe so but god will forgive me mm-hmm. and that's because he has a penitent heart and he knows yeah. that echo does not and mm-hmm. you know he's basically saying in saying that god will forgive me in the future to me that means he's saying like i don't believe that you're going to turn yeah uh, i don't believe you're going to turn back to god um which is like brutal you know mm-hmm. um but as his brother who loves him, I think that's, it's not a harsh thing. It's him saying, you know, lovingly almost like you are in the wrong place now. Um, and I fear that you've gone too far almost. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's a really cool dynamic between these two brothers getting to this point where he's like, you know, we're both sinners, but I still have hope for redemption and I'm worried you don't, you know? Mm-hmm. That is a fascinating line. And I think when you play into the next scene, it makes it more powerful when Yemi mm. does decide to come back and basically yeah. bags Echo. Almost like, I do like like Yemi, you know, you think about, is Yemi fully in the right even? You know, he's the priest, mm. he's on the right path. But, you know, I think at times he he, you know, can say i don't like right there he's saying i don't feel like echo can be saved and i think he almost repented of that view because throughout this he's like i won't hear your confession because he he, you know he he knows Echo is kind of saying that tongue-in-cheek but at the same time and he's saying you don't have a penitent heart but i think you know the reason he decided to come back was like no i i can't let him go I love him too much. And that's, so it's a powerful thing to have him come back after him Mm -hmm. um, like that. One other thing I did want to mention as far as symbols go, and I don't know when, maybe this is a good time to drop it. You mentioned the Virgin Mary statues. Um, I was thinking about that symbol in this episode and just how another, another great, just something clever that the writers did with it. Um, with, you know, you think about the Virgin Mary, the one who carried the savior of all mankind and the fact mm-hmm. that they're putting drugs inside Virgin Mary statues is just yeah. such a, such an on the nose metaphor for this episode. It's like, and they're wearing priests outfits. It's like wolf mm-hmm. in sheep's clothing, but it's also like echo. He, he's becoming a priest now. I almost think he, you know, he's like, I'm just, you know, sign the paper so we can pretend to be priests. But almost, I think it's he's thinking of himself. Yes, I am the true high priest because I am the power. Mm-hmm. I'm powerful enough to take these drugs that have been plaguing these people and get them out of here, as he says. 
even though mm-hmm. also as he said, said in the episode in earlier in the you know we know his true motives on it but i think he's kind of right. thinking of that in his head like i am a, i am the priest i'm the gatekeeper that can actually save the people versus mm. um so it's a great metaphor with those virgin mary statues too yeah for this yeah i hadn't even thought about the you know how on the nose it was that that yeah this sort like what is a source of true salvation you know the the virgin mary uh carrying the savior of the world the idea that oh they're gonna they're gonna use that image to store a bunch of heroin like how horrible that is Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and yet in his mind it's justified because this is apparently god's will um for for them um this is an opportunity that god has presented um yeah just just an example again of of like how anti um the religion that yummy has um uh echo is at this point uh mm-hmm. just how how virtually opposites they are then but mm-hmm. but yeah it brings us to the last scene where yummy does come back and comes mm-hmm. you know desperately crying for echo to to come and i love how he says i'll hear your confession i'll do whatever it takes just don't get on that plane and he and i love how echo kind of questions is like what are you a prophet now as yeah. well as a priest um which basically kind of think what did yummy i mean yummy knew that you know echo had done some probably done some bad stuff in the past but this is mm-hmm. a new level trying to smuggle drugs out of this village um he mm-hmm. knew it was bad news. Or did he have a vision that the the plane would land on the uh, mm, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> More lost yeah. uh visions. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well it's it's interesting because it's like, you know, don't go on that plane. Um and then immediately, you know, the uh who who was it oh. the not the police. I I don't remember who they say are coming to um get military. them, you know, mm-hmm. military. Um but um how immediately the situation turns um and you know, obviously like all, all that happens there but um yeah, I just it's such a cool um thing that Yemi does to come back and try to save his brother and even stands in the way of gunfire, you know, to try and prevent this scene from unfolding the way it was um Mm -hmm. it's i don't know the the dynamic of these two uh brothers and i think that that theme of brothers is really interesting on the island too which we will get to but um Mm -hmm. just the fact that they were continuing to pursue each other especially yummy pursuing echo here and i think that maybe is um what haunts echo the most from all of this that you know his brother's death was because he was pursuing him um Mm -hmm. and trying to prevent him from going down the path that he was Um, yeah 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 and as you're mentioning that it makes me think of you know how yummy just he comes out there he tries to stand in the way of a freight train basically with the military coming and you know just desperately crying out to save 
Mr. Echo, it reminds me of someone. Mm. It reminds me of that old priest at the beginning of the episode. Don't mm. take any more of the children. Basically crying out even though he can't do anything. Yeah. He has no chance. But he's still cry- He's still running out to try to stop injustice. Mm-hmm. And Yemi's doing that too here. And I think that is the, the, the key mm. for Mr. Echo when he sees that. When he sees, mm-hmm. I think he's surprised, he's shocked by it that Yemi would go this far for him because as we've seen throughout the episode, they're kind of estranged in yep. that Yemi doesn't think Echo can be saved. He's sort of dismissing him throughout and Echo doesn't want to be saved. Mm-hmm. And yet he still tried to save him even when he was going his own way. And I think that's what, you know, obviously then that Echo claims the identity of a priest because he sees maybe the power of this world that I've lived, grew up in isn't what it's all cracked up to be. Maybe mm-hmm. there is greater power even in this, you know, frail priest that I saw. So it's kind mm-hmm. of, kind of a cool turn there. Mm-hmm. There's also an interesting, I'm just thinking about it now. The, the two kind of, you know, the, the beginning and end of this flashback, the flashbacks uh, of this episode are kind of appropriate bookends in that in the beginning, Echo spares his brother by taking someone's life. Mm-hmm. And here at the end, his brother spares Echo mm-hmm. by basically laying down his life. Yes. Um, in order for Echo to be a priest, mm-hmm. which one would one would argue, you know, like is the like obviously he's a priest, but it's the much more Christian posture, you know, yes. the idea that instead of perpetuating, um, you know, the the cycle of violence, he stands in the way, um, mm-hmm. to lay down his life for the sake of his brother. I mean, that's literally in scripture, <laughs> you know, exactly. the, like, no, there is no truer love than that, you know, to lay down your life for your brother, uh, mm-hmm. for, for someone else, you know? And, um, and so that opens the door for echo to be a priest at that point. Um, yeah, it's just a, just kind of an interesting, I hadn't thought about the fact that the beginning and end of that entire episode really kind of, uh, mirror each other in that way but yeah very poetic mm-hmm. um, as an episode entitled the 23rd psalm should be um yeah. very very well done um yeah some great i mean we could go on for longer about these flashbacks but i think we're about time for a break and i think it's about mm-hmm. time probably to move on to the island stuff as well yeah. so uh why don't we take a break and we'll be back with more see you in another life brothers i mean See you in another life, brothers. Sorry. <laughs> After this. Welcome back to See You in Another Life, brothers. We're talking 23rd Psalm and Mr. Echo. That guy. What a guy, Mr. Echo. You know, this is one of those episodes where there are certain characters I wish we had more time with. Yes. You know? And this one... I I really 
this is one of those episodes where I'm like, man, I want more Mr. Echo, you know, like I'm, I'm glad to be at the point in the series where he's around, you know, cause I feel like he's such an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, he was probably my favorite from the tales section for sure. Um, yeah. just the, one of my favorite new, you know, other, you know, you have your original cast and then mm-hmm. we have characters we add in later. It probably would go Desmond up top, but I think Echo is oh, yeah. pretty, pretty close as far as new cast members we get along the way. Um, he's up there for sure. Yeah. And so in the episode on the island now, coming back, flashing forward here, I think this is... So the, the plane took off. I feel like that was... Was that like... I think we find out later in the series it was like 1996 when... Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because we flash, you know, we get the time... Time travel, spoiler alert, comes up. <laughs> and uh, Echo sees the plane actually crash, and it is 19... I think they find out it's 1996. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that plane's been there for eight years. Ooh, there's a number. Um, <laughs> but eight years have gone by, and now we have Mr. Echo sitting on the beach, writing on his big stick. And uh, Claire, this conversation has... There's a lot to it, Yeah, I feel like. But especially when we the first, you know, what are you writing? Claire asks him and he says things I need to remember. And then I don't know about did you did you pause when they shoot the stick and they actually have a they show it's no, I didn't. Uh, -uh. It's kind of fascinating. I didn't dwell too much on it. There's a lot of different things, little things. Um, But the thing that sticks out and I think they did this on it's like in the center of the stick. Uh is uh, Revelation Uh 5.3. And so I had to look it up. And it's uh, it's a a fascinating verse. It's Mm. it's, uh, Revelation, so kind of crazy apocalyptic imagery. Mm -hmm. But it's in the middle of this thing where it's in heaven, and they're all like, there's this scroll. And, uh, you know, they're like, uh, the 5.3 is... And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. That's 5.3. And then John, who is writing Revelation, begins to weep aloud because no one can open the scroll. And then, Mm. of course, they see the lamb who was slain, who is able to open the scroll, which is Jesus. Um, But it's so, I, I, I was thinking about that. Why in this episode? And and Echo says, it's things I need to remember. And it's because I think, as we were just talking about, Echo realized when Yemi took his place, like he he thought he had been his brother's savior, Hmm. but he wasn't able to actually save him. Hmm. And this is sort of saying, no one's able to open the scroll because no one is able to save themselves. We can't save ourselves only. Interesting. And I don't know how well, you know, it's only five, three. So echo, I feel like as we question echoes theology throughout the series, like, does he understand Mm -hmm. the gospel? I don't know if he fully does, but I think Mm -hmm. he, he, he resonates with that verse because it's just like, I can't, I've, I couldn't save my brother. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I thought I had. So yeah. it's a cool verse. That is a really cool verse. I I noticed that I noticed that verse in particular. So yeah, I mean that was like in the in the center of it. I didn't look it up, but at, at first, I admit at first when I saw it on there, 
I thought he had written uh, I thought the five was an S and I uh, thought yeah. he had written revelations and I was like, Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. It's like one of the, one of the big mistakes that people make uh, when <laughs> quoting that that's my one. I love, this is a tangent, but I love the way the West wing depicts uh, the, the president in that series as a Catholic, uh, like a devout Catholic but there's uh-huh. one scene when he says revelations something and I was like, oh come on, he would never he would never actually say it that way, but Ruins <laughs> the illusion. Come on. That's yeah. funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's writing things he needs to remember. So Echo is he's he's reading scripture. He's fully versed in it. And he's he's become the priest now. Yeah. But uh yeah. So this conversation between he and Claire, where Claire there's a few things where, you know, Claire says, I didn't know you were, so you're religious. Mm. And the look on Echo's face when she says you're religious, he's sort of kind of almost ashamed. It's almost like a shame sort of like conflicted mm. look, like where she's asking him that and Echo's almost like, am I? I think there's still little doubts in there. Mm. But that's a fascinating moment. Um, but then they bring up the fact that the baby's name is Aaron and the whole thing with, and I think you, you pointed this out earlier, brother, throughout this yeah. whole on-island stuff, there's brother stuff going on all over the place. But Aaron was the brother of, he was a great man. Moses had difficulty speaking, so Aaron Aaron spoke for him. Um, mm-hmm. It ties in really well with what we just saw where a brother couldn't, you know, he he couldn't do it. So Echo stepped in and do it, did it for him. Yes. Um, sort of cool there Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's interesting because it again this is one of those things that i had never given a second thought to and i really think this was a perfect and kind of intentional choice to have this conversation happen in this episode because i feel like that's the way uh echo describes aaron i think that's how he sees himself you yes. know as yeah his his brother could not do it and he could so he stood up and and did the thing for him um and you know he says like Aaron was a really good man um and in echo's mind the ends justified the means that he took uh to spare his brother um and i just think that's such a clever way to introduce that idea that just this conversation between he and Claire about uh, why she chose the name Aaron, uh, they're able to insert, this is Echo's worldview <laughs> into mm-hmm. that conversation. But And the fact that he has it now, he has that view now, you know, you can see him on in the flashback where he's like, Oh yeah, I see myself as a very righteous man stepping in for my mm-hmm. brother. But now that he's been through all what he's been through, and he's still kind of, since he's putting himself in Aaron's shoes, makes you think, you know, did he see Yemi sacrifice himself for him and think, oh, that's a clear sign that, you know, maybe salvation comes from somewhere else? Or did he see that happen and think, oh my gosh, Yemi's dead. My only way to, you know, continue to try to save my brother is to take his place. Hmm. And now he thinks of himself as Yemi, where he's like, I'm still saving my brother's life by by living as my brother, basically. Right. 
which is not as much of a, a good revelation because it's, it's a, that's that's the big question with Echo that we address mm-hmm. throughout the rest of his flashback episodes. So we'll get to there. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting to be like, how much does he get that? You know, like what? How is he interpreting uh, the things he's even like? What is the meaning behind what he's actually saying? Um, yeah, I, I, he's just such a fascinating character. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And so then it brings up poor Claire didn't know what she was getting into. When she oh mentioned. yeah. This, this takes a turn. <laughs> poor Claire. He seemed like such a nice man. And suddenly he's just, but you can't blame him <laughs> if she knew, if she knew. Yes. But I do like how she puts it though. So you're religious. Um, maybe you can help Charlie because he doesn't want to admit that he's religious. I like the, the euphemism there. Where mm-hmm. and it's what Echo has been using as his euphemism. It's like I'm religious, and and that's kind of covering over my sin, basically. Charlie's doing the same thing with the drugs. Yes. Um, and uh, I like the the interaction between him and Echo throughout this, where you're thinking about that aspect of it, and Echo kind yeah. of looking at that. So, um, but before we can get there, we need to talk about. Um, Charlie being the most annoying fishing buddy in the world. <laughs> I I wrote in my notes while I watched this scene, <laughs> again, I freaking hate season two, Charlie. <laughs> well, I do, you know, you can overlook it. You can say, oh, that's just Charlie being... <laughs> but he's clearly on drugs, right? <laughs> I I think they put that in there kind of Charlie being yeah, a little hyper. That could be. Where, although I don't know, does heroin do that? I don't know drugs. Um, I don't but know. I think it might it might be a depression. Anyway, but I do. He is being very annoying, and it, it's season yes. two, Charlie. So, yeah, Poor Jim. he just it's just annoying because he seems to, you know, obviously Jin doesn't know what he's saying, and. Um, he's taking that in the most annoying way possible to say whatever he wants to Jin, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or put wor- words in Jin's mouth and everything. And it's just like, oh gosh, come on! I like Charlie. Why is he being such a such a mm-hmm. jerk in this season, <laughs> or such yeah. an annoying person? I should say, I guess. But mm-hmm. but I want to pause it really quick. That Jin is the secret mvp of this episode even though he's only he's not even barely in that he doesn't have a he has maybe a little bit of a line there Mm -hmm. i want to i want to just put that out there we'll talk about it later but i think Jin is the secret mvp of this episode anyway so let's keep going (laughs) um somehow Jin always is the mvp but Jin's been having a good stretch the uh, recent episodes he's been having a good time (laughs) yeah he has so when Echo confronts Charlie about the statue, um, Charlie's defense mechanisms go up immediately. You know, I wondered, he says, we'll go in the morning. Um, I'll, I'll talk to Claire so she doesn't get the wrong idea. You kind of wonder what's going on. Is I, I did wonder, like he says, we'll go in the morning. I wondered if he was like, I'm going to go to that plane and take all those statues so he can't find any of them. Kind yeah. of partially thinking it. I don't know if he thought that quickly, but that could be it. 
Charlie's just clearly trying to do anything he can to keep the to keep his religion alive here. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's definitely I think I don't know if there's a plan forming in his mind so much as uh the way I was reading Charlie throughout this is just he's just stalling. He's trying yeah. to figure out, you know, what is there any way I can get this guy to like uh get off my back (laughs) you know um even as he's leading him on later um but i do like in this scene how um even you know as he's trying to delay uh, going to search for um the plane and everything uh i love the the line that they include that comes back later you know um let me go talk to claire so she doesn't get the wrong idea Mm um i i just think that's really clever how they use that later and how immediately he's just thinking like we can see the wheels turning like oh i'm in trouble you know claire is going to be upset with whatever is happening right now um because she knows what is going on (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i do you know that his conversation with claire before they they go off Mm -hmm. the i think the only thing to mention about it is how you know his defense is he's 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 trying to he's saying i didn't know I didn't know. I'll I'll tear up this heroin right now. See, see, see. Sort of like his denial of it versus the next conversation they have later in the episode. I do like that he finally fesses up to it and mm-hmm. kind of thinking about what led him to that that stage, what what transformation he goes through with Echo is sort mm-hmm. of a fascinating thing as we go through here. Yeah. So they head off, and uh, if you were Charlie, would wouldn't you just say, "Hey, I found it by this tree"? Yeah, duh. <laughs> Come on up. Yeah, I mean, who? How? <laughs> for Charlie, it's like, what? What could he say? You know, like, oh, I don't believe you. You know, is I mean, like, there's, <laughs> it's it's a whole island of just random trees and stuff. It's like, uh, yeah, just point out a tree, of course. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But no, take me to the plane. Intense, Mister Echo, taking no prisoners. This guy's a, this it. guy's scary. This guy's so scary. <laughs> with if he was doing this with another character, I would be terrified for them. But because I don't like Charlie right now, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, do it. It's kind Push of satisfying. Tree. <laughs> it's so satisfying for you. You get you get to watch season two Charlie get you know yeah. bossed around by Mister Echo. It's fun. <laughs> and get interrogated by him as we mm-hmm. get in this next moment where, you know, I love how Echo picks it apart very spryly. It's like, why did you lie to the girl? What is the wrong idea? Um, but I think about, you know, why does Echo even bring that up? You know, as he's looking at Charlie and kind of, I think it's almost Echo sort of, you know, having a moment of judgment on Charlie, obviously, he, the look on his face, he looks, ang- he's got a very um, angry look in his eye, or almost like, how yeah. can you be such a, you know, it, be a hypocrite almost, or be like, you know, um, mm-hmm. deceiving this nice girl. Um, and Charlie getting very defensive, I don't have to tell you anything, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it plays into later in the 
episode when he finally decides to give him back a Virgin Mary statue. We can sort of think about that too. But mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this moment here with the two of them. I think it's uh, I think it's just interesting the way um, I don't know, kind of the the two of them clash, you know, because mm-hmm. I feel like Echo in one way is kind of just proving uh, to Charlie like like, hey, you're not hiding yourself so well as you think you are. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I I'm able to recognize like, you know, you knew what was going on, you know, what's the wrong idea, all of that stuff. And um Charlie once again, like, you know, he a thing with Charlie, a central kind of theme seems to be respect, you know, and respectability and all of that. Uh, being respect a bull um and he says like that's the word that he uses with echo here with like you know i think i deserve a little respect or something you know and i just think that's a really interesting turn um and just uh maybe just another it reinforces charlie's defense mechanisms we've seen over and over you know um that uh immediately when someone calls him out on what he has done wrong he's like who are you to be the new leader in town or whatever you know uh like you you come over from the other side of the island and now you're in charge you know Mm -hmm. um and it's just kind of uh i don't have much more to say about it other than um we've seen that charlie has issues with other people getting to be in charge he wants to be the one who gets respect uh even if he's getting called out very rightfully on him falling short. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's using all these defenses. I think that the conversation, I love, I, I love the connection that they bring up. It's just an amazing connection. When you read, when you think about it, like mm-hmm. um, he says, I'm Charlie says, I'm not what you think I am. And echo says, yeah. and what do I think you are? And then Charlie goes, it was my brother's fault. And Echo goes, excuse me? Sort of like yeah. he, he's taken aback by it because that's all Echo's thinking about right now. It's my brother. My brother is the whole reason for all of this. And mm-hmm. it was my brother's fault. I was a good person. He was the one who started with all the heroin. I was an altar boy. Don't judge me. And I think therein we see sort of the... The... Well, the connection between the two of them, obviously, they're both trying to justify Mm -hmm. themselves. And Charlie is having a more difficult time of it, I feel like, than Mr. Echo, who, when faced with, like, the ultimate sort of almost form of judgment in this crazy black smoke monster coming (laughs) out. And Charlie says, you got to run from that thing, man. That thing is going to kill you. Mr. Echo stands and stares it down. Yeah. I like that distinction because Charlie is sort of flailing and desperately trying to run from his, you know, his vice. And Mm -hmm. Echo is standing sort of hard-hearted and saying, no, I am justified. Mm -hmm. Staring it down, I am not. And we get more of that later in the cost of living, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I this is a interesting kind of time to point out like 
the pairing of these two in this episode. These these are two guys who um both are struggling with who they have been mm-hmm. um and whether or not they can leave that behind. Um from the moment they show up on the island almost, you know, um Charlie gets presented with uh, an opportunity to move on from his drug addiction, but then more heroin shows up and echo um, shows up on the Island and he has to kill two people or whatever it is, you know, to protect other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as a priest, like the, hopefully, you know, he was able to put that behind him. I know there's other flashback episodes, but you know, uh, just dealing with what we have here, you know, he's a priest now, you know, he's, he's not the murderer anymore. Um, but he has to, he has to kill people again. Um, and so the two of them are being put to the test almost, you know, with whether or not they're going to be able to put the past behind them or move on. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think, it's interesting to see for Charlie, he blames his brother for where he ended up and echo um, went down the road. He went down uh, to try and save his brother. Um, And now the distinction between them is like you were saying, echo uh, is not afraid to face who, who he has been or to face, um, you know, the darkness surrounding him but Charlie is still trying to uh, almost actively keep it at bay, um, but also indulge it a little bit um, Mm -hmm. with, with the heroin and everything. But, um, but yeah, I, I got to this scene in the episode and remembered that the smoke monster shows up. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like in the past, I've always thought of this episode like, Oh yeah, it's the, it's the smoke monster episode, you know, like they, they did the reveal mm-hmm. and because I'd forgotten about it, I was like, man, that feels like the most random thing ever in this yeah. episode, this very like grounded, you know, character driven episode uh, of just learning who Mr. Echo is. Um, And I feel like when it aired, that was the thing that like freaked everyone out. Like we saw the monster, you know, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, that's like a footnote in this episode about this amazing, interesting character. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do think it's significant where the monster shows up right as Echo is starting to get kind of judgmental toward Charlie. Um, mm. Like he, he sees it. It doesn't, it doesn't fully come out yet, but he sees yeah. it sort of go. And he's looking and going, what was that? Um it's sort of like the the monster. Well, the monster hasn't gotten a chance to meet Mister Echo yet, obviously, and that's why it comes out and doesn't kill him. Mm-hmm. It comes out and comes right up to him and does the thing that I love. How just they do this throughout the series for in a few different occasions where the it's it, they never explain it. They never, mm-hmm. you know, say exactly what's going on here. But basically what it's doing is, you know, we, we pan around it is it's taking a snapshot of Mr. Echo's life, basically, because mm-hmm. we see those flashes within it. Like, and you can see just glimpses of like, there's the old man that he shot and there's other things. And it's like, okay, I'm sizing this guy up and 
really what you when you realize what the monster is doing and i think we kind of get this we realize this more fully in later episodes is mm-hmm. it's sort of like mr echo is the guy who can finally free me mm-hmm. <laughs> we're getting way down the line now yeah but it sees that okay this is a guy with a this is a guy with a past this is yeah. a guy with some baggage this is a guy who definitely cared a lot about his brother Mm. Mm-hmm. so i love that they do that now and then it comes to fruition later playing the yeah. long game there but yeah it's a it's a wild moment mm-hmm. i also just think it's interesting how um the two kind of the two people who have had the most exposure to the monster um not counting charlie um at this point then are like the two kind of men of faith you know, of, of the series, Locke and Echo, um, having these interactions, like seeing full on the monster in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think that's maybe just an interesting thing to consider, like the man in black, you know, the smoke monsters, um, strategy, maybe trying to figure out who, who he can get, um, you know, on his side or, you know, to, to be able to be susceptible people. He goes to the people who are like the biggest believers in something mm-hmm. beyond themselves. Um, and I just think that's kind of a, a cool, like strategic thing that seems to have been there from the beginning of the series, but um, mm-hmm. having it show up to Locke and Echo, I think is, is really significant. So and you think about how it showed itself to Locke and walk about how it, it first appeared as something beautiful. Like you yeah. said, I, I looked at it and it was just a, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then it appears to Echo as something terrifying. Yeah. Um, but Echo doesn't flinch. Um, just think about why that is and the difference between the two. Um yeah, I think we could you could ponder that for a while. But, yeah. Uh, that's fun. Yep. But anyway, getting back to where we are here. Um, so Echo finds the priest who, quote unquote, saved his life. Once again, <laughs> what does it mean to save a life? Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, they just keep that 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 theme throughout here. Um and uh yeah and charlie coming to the realization you're a priest he's a priest too you're a priest too right (laughs) um and the question of why does your scripture stick have dried blood on it almost you know questioning what type of priest is this which is a very good question for you know echo becomes a priest is he still a priest as a gatekeeper where he's trying to do it by worldly means, or is he finally, you know, given into a higher power? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. question. Um, but then we need to uh, take a moment and say, did, did, uh, Charlie, he says the name of the show. I'm lost. Did you did you stop and say, <laughs> oh, that's the name of the show. That's the name of the show. <laughs> I just, I, I, whenever that happens, I just, 
in in my mind the comedic credits just begin to roll you know just like <laughs> i'm lost and then bing, you know it's just the episode's done roll credits <laughs> the whole series yep. is over mm-hmm. yep and uh yeah and so echo sees the monster as we already mentioned the monster flashes and uh takes off I like Charlie's perspective on this whole thing as he's up in the tree and then mm. they look at each other and Charlie's like, I think he develops a new reverence for Echo at that point. Yeah. Because he's like, okay, this guy, this guy <laughs> might be the bravest guy I've ever known. Yeah. The look they give each other, you know, in that, in that moment when Echo looks up at Charlie and he's looking down, I love that so much. Like that's such a cool moment in like TV history, almost, you know, the reveal of the monster and these two dudes just look at each other. Like, what have we just encountered? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, yeah, I think the, the reverence that Charlie has for him is definitely, I would, I would be amazed, but I mm. love how, after that though echo is just like nonchalant like i was not afraid of it you know like i think that's so cool Mm -hmm. like (laughs) give me more of mr echo i love that you know just the idea that he's like why didn't you run away i was not afraid Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) that's what an insane response but i love it i respect it (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's echoes it's his posture it's just like yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm not scared of my past or scared of these things. I'm simply doing what I'm doing, and I feel mm-hmm. like I'm doing the right thing. So that's Echo. But uh, yeah, then Charlie's all like, "Okay, yes, Mister Echo, let's go to the plane." I'm sure <laughs> I'm not <laughs> going to argue with this guy work. anymore. We'll go to the plane. <laughs> Um, and then the scene in the plane where he finally finds and identifies, mm-hmm. uh, he identifies Yemi's body by the cross. Uh, yeah. And once again, we find this cross that, uh, started with Echo, went to mm-hmm. Yemi, poetic, it comes back to him. Um, and I think the grief in this scene is just, once again, it's sort of echo reliving maybe something that, you know, it it was eight years ago and now it's, it's here again Mm -hmm. and he's reliving it and sort of remembering. And I think this reinforces the fact that, you know, I can't, I couldn't save him and Mm -hmm. I am not, you know, as much as I'd want to be a savior, um, I can't, I couldn't do it. Um, Mm -hmm. You could read it that way. You could read it the other way. Like he's taking, when he says at the end, I am a priest. Yes, I am a priest. Is it because he's he's come to a realization of the truth? Or is it because mm-hmm. he feels like he's just taking Yemi's place to try to justify himself again? Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, whatever it is, he's had, he has grief. Mm-hmm. It's clear. Yeah. I I think it's... I don't know. I I've praised this episode quite a bit already for its ambiguity and different things but i'll do it again Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i like the fact that you could read him saying like yes i am a priest in a couple different ways um 
and I just love the way um, he says it. The way, you know, he smiles, you know, I am a priest um, mm-hmm. in that moment. I just think that's a really cool choice um, to have Echo um, not identify himself as, you know, this guy who was a warlord, you know, this this guy with a reputation for not having a soul, you know, for being such a um, terrifying character. Um, now he is able to have this, this grief, but also this closure and this way where he can now identify himself to the other people that are on this Island with him. You know, he's, it's like a new beginning for him almost in a way uh, mm-hmm. of saying like, yes, I am a priest. Um, that is, that is who I am. Um, yeah, it's just a, just a really kind of satisfying scene, even though it could be viewed in, in different lights, you know, in different ways, uh, because of everything that led to him actually taking on that title. Mm -hmm. You could even, you could look at it as, you know, Echo has been pretending to be a priest ever since Yemi, Mm. um, the whole thing. And then this finally, it's, it's Echo and throughout, you know, we've seen Echo is sort of like looking for the reason why that he crashed on this island and all this stuff. And he's trying to find the reason. And that's what he, why he got the film and he had spent all that time with Locke trying to stitch that film together and watch it. And that mm-hmm. was a dead, he felt like it was a dead end. And now here he's found, he's actually found this, pl- this has to be it. And he Mm. finds the cross and he says, this is why I'm here to fully take Yemi's place. And Mm. I think that's why he decides now I'm going to go build that church um, later here. So um, he's sort of saying, yes, I am a priest. This is why I'm here to fully become a priest. Mm. Um, And that's a fascinating thing. But I think also equally fascinating, as I mentioned, is the fact that he gives Charlie back a Virgin Mary statue for the one he broke. Yeah. What do you think of that? Um, Because I'm trying to ponder that. To me, um, I I think there are a couple things that I, you know, uh, that I that I think about it, you know, and I don't know if there's any way to prove this is right, but this is just kind of my interpretation of it. Um, for me, it just confirms that Echo, Echo never did this, uh, caring about the drugs. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like that was never part of why he was concerned about any of it, you know? Um, he didn't care what Charlie's deal was. So like when Charlie starts saying like, you must be thinking all this terrible stuff of me, you know, he's kind of surprised by it almost, you know? Um, he doesn't care. He's just looking for the plane. Um, but also, um, now that he has heard Charlie's story and you know how he was a good person and all of that stuff. Um, I think part of it is echo saying, I destroyed his property. I'm going to replace it, but also I'm going to give him the opportunity to decide for himself what he's going to do now with that. Um, He wasn't going to decide for him, um, which is an interesting move, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know if you have more thoughts, but no. Yeah. I think there's elements of that where he, he was starting to judge Charlie 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. he says, what, what was the wrong idea? Why did you lie to the girl? Um, almost sort of, almost sort of playing a role that Yemi once played in his life where Yemi was saying, mm-hmm. you don't have a penitent heart. You're just, and so I think he almost catches himself and remembers mm-hmm. what, you know, Yemi did for him. And I, yeah, I think what you're saying with, it is a curious decision to give him another Virgin Mary statue and say, basically, here's more drugs. But I think you're right where he he's sort of saying, I want you to make this decision for yourself to let this go. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an interesting contrast because very shortly in the series, we're going to see John Locke come back in and take all those Virgin Mary statues away. Yeah. Um, sort of saying, I can't trust you, Charlie. I'm just going to, you know, where whereas once Locke trusted him, now he doesn't get to, you know, make his own. Well, actually, really, Locke took him away then, too. So Locke's, it's yeah. interesting looking at Locke's way of doing things versus Echo. Mm-hmm. And you could look at it as Echo just doesn't care about Charlie's drug habit or Echo does care. And um, he wants what's best for him, but he's not going to force him or manipulate him into quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe he just felt bad about breaking the Virgin Mary statue and he just, you know, it's maybe it's that base level. Like I did something, I broke your thing. Now here's your new thing. Um, yeah. maybe it's that shallow too. Who knows? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I want to believe that it, that it's echo after hearing the way Charlie talked, you know, Charlie said like, I was a good person and he's able to say like, uh, like a person who wouldn't, you know, uh, abuse drugs, you know, who wouldn't do all of that stuff. Um, that's what I once was, but then I had this bad influence on me and I want to believe that echo gave him back the Virgin Mary statue to give him that choice of, okay, so your brother's not here now. What are you going to do? Um, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, but I think there's also a, a good possibility. He literally was just like, it is wrong for me to have broken his property. I, here's another one, <laughs> you know, sure. um, I could see it going either way. So, yeah. Yeah. You could, you can go back and forth and say, is, is, you know, echo a good priest or a bat? What type of priest is echo? But I think at the end of the day, what we do have is the 23rd Psalm, literally mm-hmm. Psalm 23, which I do like the fact that he says, are you a priest or aren't you? He says, yes, I am a priest. And then I think to sort of affirm the fact that he, I think this is a, a vote in the, yes, I have seen the error of my ways and seen that I cannot justify myself. He starts reciting, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not the shepherd. Mm. The Lord is my shepherd. So I think that's a big distinction. Yeah. Um, And I do like that he starts reciting it. And then Charlie as well joins in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that speaks to Charlie, you know, Echo gives him back that Virgin Mary statue and sort of says, and just looks him dead in the eye and for the one I broke. And I think Charlie is presented with, you know, in a very non-judgmental way, sort of, here it is, Charlie. What are you going to mm-hmm. do? Are you going to continue to cling to your drug? Maybe he will. But mm-hmm. in this moment, I think he he does acknowledge that 
you know, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, yeah. It's a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the, the fact that it is kind of bringing some closure to um, echo and also uh a thing that he and Charlie do together reciting the Psalm. Um, it's kind of a cool, like these two guys who are going through similar, or they're both going through struggles and I feel like they're at very different places in their struggles, but they're, you know, um, saying this Psalm, this kind of prayer together. Um, and it's just kind of a beautiful moment, a, a artistic, you know, moment for the series. Um, and of course, Michael Giacchino's there to, to fill it in with, with some good music, you know. And um, yeah, I just, it's a good scene. It's a very, yeah. it ties everything together very well. And of course, they picked um, a lost number uh, psalm. So that works <laughs> too, you know. <laughs> I always, I've always wondered if that was part of the reason they did that instead of like having him do like the Lord's prayer or something, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. or another passage, but um, it's a very famous, you know, passage of scripture too. So it makes sense, but yeah. And the thing that got me with what they did in this and why I say, you know, why I mentioned Jin at the beginning is the MVP of this episode, mm. really Jin and son, but Jin's going fishing at the beginning of this episode and he does catch a fish clearly probably catches a lot of fish because Jin's good at fishing. But um, the line, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yeah. And the way they overlay it with Anna Lucia, just suddenly Anna Lucia is in the episode. Mm-hmm. And the and Jin and son bringing that fish to her is just such a, just that killed me. I'm like, oh yeah. my God gosh that's beautiful what they just did yeah. there because that's what lost is that's the core of the show and it's unexpected and it's like mm-hmm. you protect you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies the good news for anna lucia who feels like everyone's her enemy right now is that Jin mm. and son have chosen connection over you know contempt basically and they have brought the fish to her and i think i love the surprise on her face and just the there's little miracles in lost yeah and the little miracles are connections and they do it again with hurley and libby connecting Mm -hmm. and 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 just the michael and and, uh sawyer and jack and kate (laughs) that that moment even even that you know where sawyer and jack can connect and he can actually give him the medicine and you know there's a lot of strife but there's a little miracles there and I, I love how they they add that to the psalm in a really cool way yeah. so that was yeah that got mm-hmm. me yeah oh my gosh i i love the connection of the the table and them coming together and because yeah that is just a pure lost moment um but it's it captures something so true you know uh something so real the idea of um like what what Anna Lucia needed right then was for someone to no longer be her enemy. <laughs> um mm-hmm. and that is such a cool turn uh in the episode. Um and even yeah. just seeing the connections and other characters like Hurley and Libby, you know, the first time we really see them together or anything and um and Jack and the others. Yeah. Gosh. Lost. So good. 
Yeah, we want to go on record right now and say that we love this show, if it wasn't clear. In case the hours of discussion we've had so far <laughs> did not... Yeah, and this did not super long episode it. we're in the middle of right now didn't clue you in. Um, I love this yeah, episode. We, we won't belabor it much. I mean, I think what we can say, uh, we don't need to talk too much about Charlie, the rest of it, other than, you know, I do like the yeah. fact that he admits that he lied. Mm-hmm. And he admits that the Virgin Mary statues, he, whether he's using the drugs or not, he has them because he just still needs to cling, have that around. He's not yeah. fully. And Claire's, you know, you can understand Claire. Like, I just can't have a potential drug addict around my baby. So yep. it's the harsh truth. But Charlie has to reckon with it. And mm-hmm. boy, is he going to reckon with it uh, in a couple episodes. Oh, geez. <laughs> Do we have to talk about fire plus water? I I just do not want to, but we do. <laughs> that might be our shortest episode where we just kind of like, all right, yeah, 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 drugs, 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 yeah, 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 lock, lock punches him. Oh, geez. <laughs> okay, it's over. Uh, yeah, we're just going to cry through that one. Because <laughs> Charlie has his stash and he's not letting it go very easily. I I love the way they show the reveal of like the number of statues that he has in that final scene though like the uh the the darkness of it like that that it's lit by just that one torch that he's got there I just feel like it's such a good depiction of I don't know like a person who has like a shameful secret you know yeah. that he that he can't let go of. Um, he's out in the middle of the jungle with his stash of drugs, you know, and he's just sitting there looking at it by firelight. And I just feel yeah. like that's such a kind of a haunting image of of a guy who is not winning in his struggle uh, mm-hmm. to um, to avoid this thing that has been so detrimental to his life. Um, yeah. Yep. We'll we'll talk about that more later, but <laughs> we'll get there. But for now, I think we uh, we're way overdue for a commercial break. So yeah. I think we got a little bit more in this episode to talk about. We can do that after this break. Welcome back to See You in Another Life, brothers. Twenty third Psalm edition. We are uh, in the home stretch here, uh, Mister Echo. Endlessly fascinating topic. But we can't talk about Mr. Echo all day because uh, this is we only got a certain amount of time and I'm sure no one's listening anymore. We've got <laughs> we're still well, listening. Thank you. If no one's listening, I, let's talk about Echo some more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, we need to talk about Locke and Michael. Yeah. Uh, what's going on here with this other part of the episode as we've as we previously on Lost uh we realized that Michael, no one ever taught him not to talk to other strangers online. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's got it in his head that uh, he's going to go off and save Walt and do it on his own for some odd reason. And that's the main, that's really the, the main question you grapple with here. Like, why doesn't Michael just tell anyone else that he's having these conversations with Walt and that, yeah. you know, why can't, why doesn't he trust anyone else? Because uh, mm-hmm. Locke is willing to help. 
as Jack points out later, he's very willing to help. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, Michael says, you know, people are talking. You know, I know people are talking about me just going off and everything. Um, and that's the, the word on the street right now. <laughs> um, and Locke, you know, in this in this first scene when uh, Michael comes up to the the gun room or whatever, you know, Locke mm-hmm. knows immediately, like, oh, he's here for a gun. Um, and, like, everyone knows what he's thinking, but he still doesn't clue people in. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a frustrating mm-hmm. thing, especially with where the next episode goes, you know, uh, next week. Yeah. Like, um, even in the scene with Locke, when the, he's training him with the gun, he says, you know, both of them admit that wouldn't be a very good plan for him to go off on his own to the others you know yeah and yet (laughs) Mm -hmm. next episode that's what happens you know and it's uh like you know obviously it's it's hard to imagine um what any of us would do in michael's shoes you know given what he's been through and what he's thinking about and what's going on with with him and walt but gosh it's just frustrating to see it unfold (laughs) yeah I do like when when Locke says, uh, yeah, it's it'd be a pretty dumb idea. And Michael says, yeah, it would, like immediately. Yeah. And, you know, it, Michael, in his mind, I'm sure he's thinking, yeah, it would if I didn't know where I was going. Uh, because yeah. Walt's giving him the directions. Or Walt. It's not Walt. I just, yeah. I, I like to imagine, to, who, who is it on the other end? Tom? Ben? <laughs> <laughs> Juliet? Um <laughs> catfishing michael um <laughs> someone but uh i also yeah as you mentioned Locke being willing to teach michael how to use a gun um trust you know Locke's kind of blind trust of michael yeah or only you know it's either blind trust or you know he's also he he cared for walt too and he understands what Michael's yeah. going through. So you can get that too as well. But Michael, I mean, Locke, and I think he points this out in the next episode, how he just doesn't see the signs. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's a common theme with Locke. Like, it's like, Locke, look in front of you. And yeah, sometimes he can just not see it. Um, because he has too much, you know, he has blind faith in mm-hmm. Michael. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I wonder, you know, I hadn't really thought about it until just now, but, like, uh, Michael and Locke, their history has been really bad, you know? Sure. Um, And, I mean, remember the uh, infamous peace offering? offering. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And I hadn't thought about, like, those dynamics in this episode. Like, I wonder how much of Locke's behavior here is maybe a little bit blinded. Like, I wonder how much Locke himself is blinded by um, just the fact that, like, he seems to be on Michael's good side here. You know, Uh like, like, man, I wonder if I can encourage this relationship, if I can do uh, good things with Michael. You know, maybe they can figure out a plan to get Walt back or something together. 
you know what like who knows what optimistic things he's thinking but because michael is even spending time with him you know i think that's a really kind of interesting aspect of this because michael kind of hated his guts before you know and threatened him to stay away from his son you know um Mm -hmm. so i i wonder how much of that is kind of blinding Locke from what's right in front of him but at the core of john Locke, he is just like he's just the the uncool kid yeah you know we think about it he was a weebolo right yeah he just he just wants a friend and that's 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 probably one of the saddest things about Locke throughout the whole series he's like he just and i think you're onto something there where he's like I, and he even mentions, you know, and Locke's like, Michael's like, when, where'd you learn this? <sighs> My dad used to take me hunting. Like That's so true. Locke just wants someone to go hunting with him. Um, so maybe yeah. you're right about that. He's like, I just want Michael to be on my side and we're having a moment. But I, from Michael's perspective... And I, I, as I'm thinking about this, you can kind of see from his perspective too why he doesn't want to let Locke in, because like you're saying at the beginning of the episode, what's Locke doing? He's changing the combination on the gun safe, because we can't just let anyone have a gun. And this plays into a theme that we get into later in the series, where Jack and Locke basically have declared themselves the sheriffs of this town. Yeah. And uh, Michael's rebelling against that power structure that he sees forming. So mm-hmm. that's why later we see Jack saying, you know, we, we want to help you, Michael. And, Locke, mm-hmm. and, my, and Walt's like, I mean, Michael's like, I don't know. I can't. I need to do this on my own because I can't trust any of you guys, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But it's the way it is. Yep. So, but, um, so Michael continues on his uh, uh, unfortunate catfish journey. <laughs> And I hope nothing yeah, horrible happens next week. Um, you seem to think something horrible will happen. I, I'm an optimist, so. Um, <laughs> no <laughs> spoilers. Go <laughs> I'm hoping things go differently. But, uh, yeah. So, I think that's really all there is for Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than, you know, his interaction with Sawyer, which is a little awkward. Oh, yeah. Um Glad you're okay, man. I, I, we need to talk about this other, this only other, kind of almost a moment of levity in this episode. Really, kind of the only moment of humor. It's kind yeah. of rare for an episode like that, you know, of Lost to have this little. I mean, they do have a little bit here and there with Charlie and Echo talking, yeah. but Sawyer, um, kind of chafing against the idea of him being the hero. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm still. I'm still the confidence man. Yeah. Sawyer's roles. Um, but Kate kind of having fun with him, like, no, you, you're good now. You're good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's kind of fun. And also Sawyer dropping the bet. I think this might be my favorite nickname of the the uh, season, possibly. I'm writing this one down to have it in my records. Pillsbury. Oh, yeah. That's a <laughs> good one. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. It is just kind of heartwarming. The you know hurley um and michael you know just saying like like hey i'm glad you're okay it's like oh that's nice yeah glad you know (laughs) it it doesn't it doesn't feel like a it feels like a regular moment 
of real life uh, in the midst of like a, a TV drama. Just guys being like, like, hey, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you're not dead. You know, like I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's just kind of a cool cool thing. It's nice to see Sawyer's character um, progression continuing too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's he's another interesting one, but it's it's fun to see him in this episode and having that kind of positive moment. So, yeah, people care for you, Sawyer. Don't shut him out. Yep, I get the feeling he's gonna shut him out. <laughs> um, we can be optimists. <laughs> Maybe uh maybe the uh, the long con won't be so crazy this time. Maybe uh <laughs> maybe this time we I watch it. We got some doozy of some episodes coming up here. Yes. Uh, next few weeks. I mean Fire Plus Water is going to be torment, but then we get the long con <laughs> which is a, a dark horse for maybe one of the greatest episodes of Lost of all time. Yeah. Um I'm going to point that put that out right now. Getting ahead of myself, but I can't wait to talk about the long con. <laughs> That's such an intricate episode. Yep. We'll get there. But overall, I'd say 23rd Psalm, fantastic episode. So layered, so dense. We could do a whole other episode on this probably and have plenty of material, but I think Mm -hmm. we're we're good for now. But yeah, it's a it's it's probably gonna be in my top top five, possibly. Well, we'll see. I I'm I'm predicting right now it's gonna be for me, but yeah, I just I yeah, I really, really enjoy this episode, and I really enjoy Echo and the way they they introduced his character. You know, like everything up until this episode was such a cool choice, and then the way they tell his story here is so cool. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just just an interesting character, and it's it's a fun one to revisit. So, good ep, absolutely good ep. Well, bro, thanks as always for talking lost with me. Always fun. Always delightful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks all of you for listening. And uh, as always, we will see you in another episode, brothers.